Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is William Dyer. Welcome to Dyer Conversations. In today's podcast, we have a guest actually coming on here, somebody who's been ducking me for the past year and a half. Try to get him on as the uh, the first guest. Oh, yeah. But now he's going to finally come on here. So, Mr. E.L. Jones, thanks for joining us, sir. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Couldn't duck you any longer, so I figured I would finally show up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, for people who are joining in on the podcast, E.L. and I have a long time relationship. We go way back, back right. in the day. Um, Good so, times. Great oldies. 105.7. The shark. A <laughs> uh, little inside joke there. So, yeah, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? For yeah. Those. So, uh, name's E.L. Jones. Um, been in ministry a little over 20 years now. And uh, kind of uh, born and raised here in this area locally in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Um, and that's kind of where I met Billy uh, in my first youth ministry. Um, and now I'm back in my hometown uh, serving God, serving people. So. Yeah, so El and I met. I was uh, seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah, just starting to come yep. to church, dating a girl, uh-huh. and uh, that that fell out. But uh, El was there as the youth minister, and we started working out together. That's right, American Family. American Family. He was listening to all my garbage, <laughs> and uh, from there, doing some discipleship, and eventually I was baptized. And then yeah, we I think one of the fun, fun things about that was um, Billy learning some simple truths. Uh, just about the restoration movement, Christian church, and um, and he was very uh, loud at times trying to work out, you know. And I'm like, dude, there's other people around here, man. Don't be. <laughs> but no, he was. It was fun to go through the Book of John, uh, study up on the Gospels, mm-hmm. but also study up on the teachings of Jesus. So it's kind of a definitely a, a, a thing that kind of I feel like helped us grow closer together as friends. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you and I like we went through a lot of you know even growth ourselves. You know, yeah. like you were. What, 22, 3 at the time? 22, yeah. How old are you now? Oh, man, 42. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Two decades. That's right. We're counting decades now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've become the old men. That's right. Close to that, getting there. Um, Seasoned veterans. How about that, right? So EL's been, uh, he's been doing ministry the whole time. You've been uh, in different states doing ministry. Yeah. You're back here in Virginia. So you grew up in Mechanicsville. Yeah. Right outside Richmond, and you were at a church now, Compass Christian Church. Yeah, uh, I wanted to bring you on because I wanted to talk about Compass. Compass uh, is a very interesting story on how it got started, the transition, how it functions, and then also kind of the unicorn story of how did you manage during COVID. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of churches struggled during that. So why don't we why don't we start off and kind of get into when you came back to Mechanicsville. And you started working at a church. It wasn't Compass, technically, mm-hmm. kind of, and not really. Uh, how did that transpire? What was it like getting back into that church um, and and kind of moving back to the area where you grew up in? Yeah, so um, it was almost exactly 10 years to date. You know, I came out in April of 2012, and I got to Pole Green Church of Christ. It was my home church. My dad was there 28 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy in between us for about seven years, but the Pole Green has always had a special place in my heart because it's home, you know, grew up on the grounds of Pole Green Church of Christ. And so just in the parsonage and um, when hearing that they were struggling um, down to like 60, maybe 80 people in that range, um, I think the heart and the pull for me to get back to my hometown and to go back to my roots and get back to a church that I love so dearly 
uh, was a, a huge draw. Uh, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, a life, it wasn't some dream situation, um, but it was a great situation. And so Christy and I coming back home, my wife, she's from Mechanicsville as well. Um, we wanted to kind of get back near family, and uh, but also minister in, in an area that we knew so well. Um, but being there uh, about 10 years ago, uh, it was it was kind of neat, kind of what we're talking about today with Compass and where we're at. Looking back at the last 10 years and seeing how God has moved in ways makes way more sense now than mm-hmm. when it was actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Green was your kind of traditional church. Yes. You know? Very traditional, yeah. Very traditional, a uh, little bit of an older crowd. Yeah. I think it's it start. Um, and now uh, Compass is completely different. So what I remember the story. So when you were at Polgreen, you were there for, I don't know, a handful of years, and you guys were thinking about expanding your building. Yeah. Right? So talk about the building a little bit and, like, how you guys were a little bit landlocked and what the plan was and then how God intervened. Yeah. So Polgreen's under a little under two acres. Um, we were landlocked, but we were growing. And so young families were pouring in. Uh, our kids were growing. We just hired our first hire, which was a children's minister, <coughs> Lauren Hakey. Mm-hmm. And um, so with Lauren Hakey, uh, she was doing amazing things. She came over from Fairmount. Her mom, Rose, uh, Rose Williams, she kind of grew a lot with that church as they grew their kids program. So she came over with a, a knowledge of wealth and just a heart and desire to, to, to pour into the kids. And so here we are now at, at a church just landlocked, running out of room, no place for children to go really. And I'm looking for options. I'm looking at like, I, I know that uh, the old U-Crops, which was a Martin's went out of business. And I'm thinking maybe we can, maybe we can buy this grocery center and, and fix it up. I've seen other churches do that. That, that was no way too much money. I thought about leasing um, some, you know, industrial buildings and figuring out ways that we can grow in space like that, that God shut that door. I thought about buying land off Pole Green Road. Then we can actually be on Pole Green Road, not Lee Davis Road, you know. But that was $5 million. I don't see mm-hmm. how that was happening. So it just seemed like everywhere we went, doors were shutting. And so we finally got to the place where we're like, hey, <clears throat> let's let's build, you know. Let's build here, and let's just trust. And if, if later on down the road we need to move or sell or whatever, we'll see if God allows that to happen. And so... We go down this road, uh, I mean, to the point we had a construction company, we had a financial company, we had uh, people, we had a building committee team, we had just, we're all, we're, we're there. You, you know? already started doing some remodeling. Yeah, remodeling, you know? doing things. I mean, we, we were about to sign, we had the contract signed with the construction team sitting on my desk. Uh, we had the contract signed with CFR to, to do a financial, like, generosity initiative to do all these things. Checks were printed out, and then I get a call from Mike Lynn. <laughs> so and let me. Mike is a preacher yeah, at Liberty Christian Church, which is like five minutes down the road. Yep, five minutes, two miles, but five minutes down the road. Yep. Yeah, and the church, as most of y'all probably know, if you don't know, he's the church that we ended up merging with. So, mm-hmm. so Mike calls me, says, "What are you doing?" It's July the second. I remember that because I actually came back from my mother in law's uh, river house to mail off these papers to the construction company, Mm -hmm. to the financial company. And as I get in my office, I make the phone calls. Hey, I'm sending this stuff off today. Just letting y'all know, keep an eye out for it. Uh, That's when Mike Lynn calls me in my office says, Hey man, what you doing? You know, you got five or 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm just sitting in my office, you know? So he came over um, and, and Mike 
talked with his leadership already uh, for weeks and weeks. He's kind of went back and forth a little bit on this. His his daughter's a member of Paul Green, so mm-hmm. one of my you know top children workers too, working with Lauren, doing things. Jessica was doing a lot with our our church. Our, her husband Alan helping out a lot, and and uh, so because they were there, he knows a lot of what's going on. Plus. We already had an architect working um, that's about to draw up plans for the building we're doing, and that's the elder at Liberty, which is Kevin Leal. So mm. they, they, he kind of knew stuff that we were doing. And so the whole conversation when he sits in my office is, hey, I know you're about to build. You know, I know you're about to spend about, probably a little over a million dollars on this education area, but you're landlocked, and you can't really grow your auditorium, and you're busting at the seams here a little bit with what you have. How about y'all sell your building Move all your people over, over here. We got we got all kinds of land. We got all kinds of buildings. Why don't you merge with us and, and build over here, you know? And that's what kind of led us down this road to, to come together. Which is interesting about Liberty because Liberty was also a church who was a little bit older, more traditional. And um, <clears throat> they, you know, they were kind of dwindling a little yeah. bit before Mike got there. I remember that when uh, Chelsea and I moved back down to Virginia, I actually preached there. Yeah, you know, part time for about eight months as they were going through a transition. You know, their their minister had left and they were looking for somebody else, and then um, they ended up finding Mike. And Mike had actually been in this area. Had he, he had been at Liberty. He was back at Liberty in back in two thousand one. Yeah, he was at Liberty for about a year and a half there. Yeah, um, and so he's on the tail end of his ministry career. You know, he's like you know whatever seven eight years until retirement. You know, he's been in ministry for a long time, so he's looking to come back home too. So he gets hired at Liberty, and then he sees what's going on with you guys, and he yeah. presents you with this idea like, well, y'all could come over here, and we have all this land, yeah, and then bringing the two churches together, which is crazy because most of the time you hear churches splitting. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the general story is you hear churches that split, and then one church goes off and, you know, we're going to start a church, and it's really like a church split. But instead, you guys did the opposite where yeah. you joined together. So what was what were those conversations like? in the inner offices about how do we make well, just that how work. you draw that up right there is exactly why i got so excited yeah. i'm like wow this is different this is uh this is not the norm this mm-hmm. is churches coming together rather than churches separating this is people uh doing something that is going to take some sacrifice mm-hmm. uh not about self not about traditions not about what they're used to accustomed to it's going to take some faith uh it's kind of getting out of the boat situation like peter did like we, we got to get out of the boat we're going to focus on Jesus here. So with these things, man, so much excitement's like flooding my head, flooding my brain. And and I'll kind of share a little bit with Mike's side of it because he's talked his side of story, you know, how his thinking, you know, he's heard me lead worship, you know, he's I, when I went to Paul Green, I probably had about 10 years, maybe more than that of worship ministry experience. And um and then also I did 10 years of youth ministry before even going to Paul Green. So I had youth ministry experience and I was still doing youth at Paul Green. So his thought was, hey, I'm, I am at the tail end, you know, five, six, seven years of ministry. I'll get a yell. He can come over here, lead worship, be my associate, kind of run, you know, run that part of it. Um, I'll preach, and then we'll either hand things over, do all that kind of stuff. But that's kind of how it started going. Mm-hmm. But when both leaderships got involved, my elders were like, no, nah, like, yell does worship, but he loves to preach. You yeah. know, that was, that was, and that was where my passion is. And I told Mike, I said, man, I, I do enjoy worship but my passion is preaching my, yeah. my passion is just teaching and, and just being with people and, and discipling and doing those things so um 
once we really got going together with leaderships together in the same room, it started evolving to this, well, how can we work together? You know, not only bringing churches together, how can Mike and I work together? How can we preach together and, and do this and, and share responsibilities? And, and then, it, you know, a lot of it was just, you know, bringing staffs together, our staff teams. Um, we, I had a few staff. He had a few staff. Uh, we had three elders. He had three elders, you know, pulling in the eldership team. So there's a lot of that, that a lot of moving parts. That's, so. that's a lot of hurdles to overcome because, yeah. you know, when you think about it, churches are like, like a family. Yeah. Where they have their own culture, their mm-hmm. own traditions and likes and dislikes, and You've then seen the best there, yeah. yeah. And then you have <laughs> you have these two churches. While they are both traditional, they're very distinct, yeah. you know. Because I've been at both, yeah. And you know they have distinct leadership and styles and personalities, and you're going to want to bring them together. Not only, like you said, the congregations having to get along, but then the staff has to realize, like, oh, I got other staff people I have to work with now. Yeah. And then the you know the big one is you and Mike trying to figure out, like, okay who's got what role and what responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, they're knowing both of you guys, I think that's what made this work out mm-hmm. really well because you don't have this ego battle of who gets to be in charge, who gets mm-hmm. the spotlight, who gets to be the main man because you got two preachers and you either have to have one that goes, yeah, I don't mind taking a back seat. I don't want to do the main preaching. I'm fine doing the side role. Or if you have the two, how do they complement each other and not let their egos get in the way. Yeah. You know, so how'd you guys navigate that? So when we were coming together in that way and having these conversations and, um, and once we voted in both churches, I mean, overwhelmingly voted to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, of course we had some people that were hurt with it and didn't want to, but they weren't to the point where they're going to try to cause division or splits. Um, so, so, so finding out those responsibilities, the thing that we kind of always said is we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll figure it out. We don't really know. We've never done this before. There's not a there's not a handbook on this, you know, on how to merge churches. And, I mean, there's some examples that are out there. We're not the first two churches to ever come together. But we just kept saying we'll figure it out. But as you said, it's not about the ego stuff. It's not about the trying to be the person. It was let's let God lead. Let's let God move. And let's just let's just try to lead by example when it comes to sharing responsibilities, um, having humility, figuring out things. You know, uh, leaning on each other, not always having to be the voice, not even having you know be the person that has to have the say so in this. And so coming together in that, um, I think it helped out a whole lot for Mike to hear from me that man, I'm I'm in this and I'll do whatever I need to do to put my selfish desires away to make sure the church grows and, and him saying the same thing and hearing our staff. I mean, our, you're only as good as the team around you. Mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's true in any sports, any athletics, but also in church. And so the team that we had, um, I mean, it's just, I feel like God has really brought us together, you know, just, just the team, just the staff and, and the leaders that we had, um, they, they, they were almost to a default, almost like just wanting to to love each other and care for one another and not cause problems right off at the beginning. You yeah. know, like how, how can we? You know, we can. I can bend a little here. We we can do this a little here, and there was some compromising that, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that had to happen in these meetings. Uh, compromising with things that they weren't used to or accustomed to or how we were doing it, but it was always about and I'll, and I'll say this, but it was always about focusing on Jesus Christ in the meetings, okay, well, how does this bring glory to Jesus? You know, it, it, can we remove this from this and that from that? 
and how can we direct people, you know, as we merge together, how can we direct them to Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's the whole deal, right, is everybody has to have humility. And I'm sure that it's been, you know, even probably to this day, you've had to, like, bring some compromise and things up. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, we spent uh, a month meeting together and we figured out this is going to be a happy relationship and it all works out. Like, there's probably were some things, like, within the first couple years, it's still, like, a little bit of, well, this is the way we did things at Liberty, or this is the way we did things at Pole Green. Well, in some ways, honestly, we kind of told ourselves, let's not try to say that. Let's catch each other when we do it. You know, yeah. let's let's not bring in. Um, it's almost like a relationship, right? You don't want to talk about your ex girlfriend uh, when you're with your new one. <laughs> Valid. It sometimes comes up, and when it does, we try to shut it down. So yes, it, in some ways, and there were, especially within the people. Well, this is how we did at Liberty, you know. And we try to say, well, we're not we're not Liberty, you know. We're Compass, mm-hmm. and we were quick as leaders to say in our meetings, let's remind people. We're not Liberty. We're not Paul Green. We're, we're Compass Christian Church now, and not that we're Compass, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, we're this body of believers. But you had you, you almost had to like rebrand. Yes, you know, and I, I mean, I'm not Everything. trying to use that term yeah. in the sense of like marketing, but there's a psychological factor yeah. where you say, "Hey, the two are becoming one now." So we're going to have a new church name because we yep. want everybody realizing we're Compass. We're not two distinct churches just kind of hanging out in the same building. Yeah. Right. So did you did you guys have to do anything intentional? for the staff element, the staff and leadership element in order to try to bridge some of those gaps or did it just really happen organically? I think it happened organically. Yeah. I think it really did. I think you saw just both churches have had a past of hurt. You know, mm-hmm. there was things that they got burned on, staff, elders, everything. And and, and with any church, if you're there long enough, it's, it, it happens. Uh, people are imperfect. And when, that, when you have imperfect people doing things, it just – so – I think it was the right time at the right place. Again, God moving, doing things that brought, you know, two ministers, a full staff team and full eldership leadership teams together that said, we don't want, we want to succeed so badly because we want people to know about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that, that just became our mantra. Like, Hey, we're going to do whatever we need to do to represent Christ and to bring Christ into our community and we're not going to be selfish about it because we don't want to. We don't want to fight and quarrel. We don't want to have opinions and stuff that doesn't matter. We want to focus on scripture. We're going to focus on Jesus. We want to focus on seeking and saving the lost. How? But, what did you guys have to do for the congregation in order to help them navigate those same sort of emotions? Yeah, I, I think a few things we did just before we actually voted was we did things together. We you know we had some cookouts together. Um, we did an event together, a trunk or treat together, which went over amazing. Now was this now was this like a let's do these things to see if this will work, or is it like we've already made this decision? And no, we're we just... were we, no, we we didn't make the decision. The leadership made the decision to vote on it and to see where the people were. We just didn't want to say, hey, let's get this. We're voting in two weeks, you know. Yeah, uh, Waypoint Ministries, uh, Waypoint Partners with uh, Tim Cole, Dave Holloman, Neil Wheeler, these guys, they kind of walked alongside of us. Um, I mean, when I say holding hands, holding hands with us, helping us to do things the right way, gave us a lot of great information um, on on how to get the people together. And we, we just wanted, we even did minister swaps. You ever heard the show Wife Swap? <laughs> yeah. We did minister swaps where Mike preached that Sunday, in, one Sunday in September. Uh, Paul Green, that very same Sunday, I was at Liberty. And then in October, we did the same thing. He preached at Paul Green, I preached at Liberty. So we did two of them. So people at Paul Green could hear how Mike preached, and people yeah. at Liberty could hear how I preached to see if they're going to like it or not, you know? 
So when we when we voted and the people came together, they 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 knew each other. We did events together. Um, so doing all that, uh, April seventh of two thousand and nineteen was our very first Sunday, and so we're pushing on three years right now. Yeah. Um, and and coming together, uh, we we've seen a lot of the the growth in that. We also have a lot of challenges that took place, as everyone knows. I mean, we're eleven months into this merge, and then the pandemic happened, and we'll get to probably some of that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, got we were growing, things were going great, and um, and and then things kind of shut down. So, yeah, and that took a lot of navigation. Um, yeah. But before we before we jump into that, when you guys actually did merge, mm-hmm. and now. It's real. Yeah. The rubber meets the road yeah. sort of a deal. When they're going back. No going back, right? You guys, you sold the property. Pol- yeah, let me say Wolverine. a little bit about that. We did sell, we had no problem selling it. We sold it to a church in town that needed mm-hmm. a building. Um, and so they, they moved in, they moved in there. And uh, so, I mean, we, they, they bought it, you know, mm-hmm. one of, all right, we don't like this thing. We're yeah. going back to the, no, no, it was, it was done. Gone. So, but. That, that was interesting in itself, you know, just knowing, as you just said, the rubber meets the road, we're in this now. Like, it, it's almost like a marriage. We, mm-hmm. we both said, I do, <laughs> till death do his part almost, you know. Yeah. It's like we, we're coming in, and for better or worse kind of situation. Um, and I think everybody wanted better, you know. Everybody wanted better. So. Yeah. So you've had a pretty good working relationship with Mike. I mean, you guys perfect. seem to get along yeah, man, pretty well. I wouldn't say per- nothing's perfect. Yeah, right? nothing's perfect. Right? Really good, really good working relationship. I think that part of the success here of like merging two churches is the personalities of the leadership. Yeah. You know, and the thing that you keep talking about is just like the ego checks. Yeah. Cause we all, all have egos. And if you guys would have went into it, like, okay, cool. But I want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. It wouldn't have, you know, listening is the, the best advice I could ever give to anyone. And, and not just an emerge situation, but any situation is mm-hmm. listening. You you can't be a great leader if you do not listen, and you can't be a great leader if you have to have it your way all the time. You know, this ain't Burger King, all right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not your way, or it's 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 learning how to listen, it's learning how to to understand other people's views and points. Um, but I think when everyone's focused on the same thing and you constantly talk about it, it's almost like beating the same drum over and over again. But it's constantly, hey. Our whole purpose is reaching people for Jesus, you know, and 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 it, and churches we get sometimes we get away from that, you know, we get a little bit too much about us or how we need to, we, you know, we go to too many conferences or read too many books and figure out church growth this and this and it's got to be this way because this guy grew a church this way and he mm-hmm. did this. No, it's just focusing on Jesus. So. Sometimes people forget that God's involved here. Oh yeah. You know? Oh man. And, you and like. Up, yeah. You know, you guys have a model here that's pretty distinct in the sense of like you have two churches in the same area who are both kind of traditional but different, and they're going to come together. You're a a little bit of a younger man, you know, and and Mike's a little bit of an older man, and you got to work those things out. You know, you would think on paper this is set up for for failure, not success, (laughs) you know, but you guys did it because you wanted to do it God's way. And God honored that, you know, and like you said, there was no book that you read that went how to merge two churches. You know, there was no conference that you went to. It was a matter of going, hey, if we do this with humility and we think God has opened up the door, let's follow his lead. Yeah. Because as you said, I mean, you were seeing God shut doors over here and all of a sudden this one door opens up and you're like, hey, what? Wait a second. You know, and then you just go down those conversations and lo and behold, here you are. So when you were at Polgreen, before you guys sold, what were you averaging on a Sunday morning? 
we were anywhere from one 180 to 200. And Liberty. It seems like as soon as we got over, I mean, just kind yeah. of bounced around that. Liberty was what at that time? Weren't they like a 70? I think when Mike got hired on, they were around 60. Yeah. But they, they could have been around 80 to 90 people averaging on sure. Sunday morning. So you're talking, you know, 300 people. 275. 300 on yeah. a really good Sunday, really good Sunday total. Yeah. And now... You guys, you just told me here right before we started the podcast. <laughs> no, we had we had we had our biggest attendance on this past Sunday, so we had nine hundred ninety one. So, so you've we like were, tripled, yeah, more than tripled, more than tripled, yeah, in and, two years, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and and that's just it goes to show when when your focus is on the right thing, which we've talked about. I've said plenty on Jesus, mm-hmm. and, and you're not distracted with other things. Um, you know, God God moves in that. And, and we've seen it time and time again. And so um, be faithful in the small things and, and allow God to, to produce. I, I do want to say this before we get too much away from the Pole Green Liberty. Um, just such faithful people. You yeah. Know? It was a big draw, even though when I went to Pole Green uh, as a minister 10 years ago, the, the 60, 70, 80 people that were there were faithful, you know, just strong. They, and they've been through storms. They've been through stuff, and they remained. And um, and I love them people, and they love me. A lot of them ladies changed my diapers, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, we, we're close. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just the faithfulness to see um, on both sides. Uh, I went to Liberty Christian School, which is there at the property of Compass now, and I was there from kindergarten through ninth grade. Liberty Church is my dad's home church as a child growing up. Um, my grandparents, one of my grandfathers, the L of my name, Leland, was a minister there for eight or nine years. Um, the E, Eddie Jones, he was one of the the founding you know people of the church, charter members of Liberty. And so to help grow that, so a lot of family on both sides, but the, the faithfulness, the history, the deep history. Uh, Paul Green started back in 1903, so it was a hundred and... 16 years old when we sold the building, you know, mm. sold the property. Um, Liberty started in 1961, so they were bumping up on 60 years almost, faithful together on that property. So just seeing the deep history, the deep faithfulness of both churches coming together is, is another beautiful thing. Um, another thing that told us, hey, we got to get this right because there's just too many men and women before us that have just gave up so much, you know, to, to, to get the churches where they were at to, for us to come in here to mess it all up. Let's not get in the way of that. You know, let's, let's not get in the way of their faithfulness. So Yeah, so that's good. I mean, I feel like if you don't have faithfulness amongst leaders, you can't lead the people, but also the people are doing their own leadership because they've been trained their whole lives, you know, to be faithful to God and recognize it's not about us. Yeah. It's about his kingdom. So that's pretty cool to see, you know, that sort of transition. But as you said, y'all did this, and then 11 months later, COVID hits. Yeah. And churches were scrambling, you know, like, especially traditional church, a little bit older uh, churches don't have a lot of the equipment. You know, they don't have a big online presence. And all of a sudden, you're not allowed to meet. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to come on a Sunday morning, or maybe you are allowed, but people aren't coming because, well, you know, they're worried about COVID or they do have, um, you know, some underlying health conditions or they're elderly or whatever. And now ministers are like, my church of 100 people, I got 20 people showing up on a Sunday, you know, and it's demoralizing, it's hard, and you're still trying to figure out how do you minister to people when you can't see them and like, what do you do? So, what what did y'all think? Like, what <laughs> I mean, what was your initial like? Oh man, oh, man yeah. what do we do? Oh yeah, 
for anyone listening to this podcast, like you, you go back to that memory, and I mean, it, it was just it was mind boggling. I remember thinking, "What in the world is happening? Like, what is going on? Um, nothing we've ever been a part of before." At first, I was like, "Ah, oh, it's like everything is going to blow over. You know, it's going to blow over." Uh, but then two, two weeks to stop yeah, it. Two weeks, right? Two, two weeks. weeks. But even before the two weeks thing, I was like, "Ah, like I had I had friends like canceling services on Sunday and." They were asking, "Are we canceling?" I'm like, "No, nah, we're not. You know, we're not canceling. Like, I don't. I, we just didn't understand. We didn't get it yet. And then figuring it out, it just happened so quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just. Next thing I know, we're having a, you know, on like immediate leadership meeting stuff, and um, and as we're doing that, we're we're doing what everyone else is doing. We're like, let's just pause. We got to stop. Like, we don't we don't understand. So let's just stop. And uh, and then the whole scrambling of well, how are we going to do any kind of church, right? And so. Um, we just started at Compass, like yeah. setting up a camera in the corner of the room. It was handed, just kind of zoomed in a little bit to like the stage area. And, uh, and, and that was it, you know, whatever sound was in the room was hitting the camera and it was just kind of, cause y'all were just, meeting in a gym at this time, just meeting in a gym, like in a yeah, family life center. In that gym, yeah. yeah. And so when all this happened, we didn't have equipment. We didn't have a, a live streaming like room or something like some churches had. Like we just didn't have stuff, and we didn't have the knowledge. We didn't have people, and we know what we're doing. And so Tori uh, Haskins, our communications director at our church, um, does a lot of our graphics, uh, just our advertising, social media stuff. She's now kind of thrown into a a seat that she's never sat in. You know, like ha- we have to do online church, online worship. Um, we just talked about this the other day in staff meeting how funny it was us trying to scramble and figure out, you know, so she's actually watching YouTube videos (laughs) minutes before recording us on figuring out how to do this, how to then how to edit things and and do and take things apart and put things together and and record worship services. And so all that being said, I mean, we had our first online church, you know, I think it was like March 20 something. How weird was that? It was weird. Doing to a no audience. Yeah. Like no audience. You're, you're preaching to a red dot, you know, like, uh, we, we would darken the, the auditorium, the gym, the activity center, and we had stage lights and we're kind of sitting on a stool with a TV behind us to kind of, so it showed the PowerPoint basically. And we're just talking to a camera and we weren't used to that you yeah know? we weren't used to not having people or interaction and I remember- if you if you've never if you've never spoken in public you yeah. don't realize that you feed off the crowd oh yeah you know there's like a give and take and there. i more than any like that that's me. oh yeah, I yeah. Mean, i'm just I, I, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but speaking in that setting was i mean it's what had to happen and we did it and for two months uh through not really two months. Uh, well, we did it for months and months and months. Um, but for the rest of March and the rest of April, while we weren't meeting together on Sunday mornings at the building, we spoke to a red dot. We spoke to a camera. And we watched ourselves on Sunday morning instead Oof. of being around. And that was different. You yeah. know? It, was, it, was, it, was, it was difficult. And um, there were weekends where, I mean, I was out of town, but yet still having church. So uh, that, that was a part of, you know, that was a hard thing. But we moved we moved forward uh, did y'all get any feedback from your people during this time like were there were they interacting on social media did y'all have an ability to track like how many people were tuning in or anything like that yeah we're tracking some of the views and we're hearing from people um here's a couple things we did when it all happened um we quickly went on social media and said who who wants to help call people you know 
sign up here. Who wants to call me? We had almost a hundred people from our church say, "I'll call people." Yeah. And so all they would do is they would they would send in a message on the sign up genius. Uh, Tori and Tanya worked together a list, and they would shoot that person five names from our members list with phone numbers, and then they would call those five people. And we started just calling and calling and calling, and so everyone in our church was getting phone calls and conversations and. People were calling people they never met before, you know, because we grew probably in 11 months. I think our last Sunday that we I remember was 609. So if we had around that 300 number, we we doubled in size in 11 months. Wow. And so even with that, we had so many new people that didn't know people. And that kind of helped slow things down a little bit, too, for us to get to kind of catch our breath a little bit, get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And so Mike and I are calling people. Our staff are calling. We, we were on the list. We're calling people's names and stuff. We had people calling people. And for the next month and a half, it was kind of a beautiful thing. Like I had people calling me, say, "Hey, man, I called so and so, never met them, but we had, we talked for like an hour." And I That's was like, awesome. "How cool is that?" You That's know? awesome. And so we had just we were trying to draw connections when we couldn't be connected. Uh, we were trying, we were we were growing relationships when we couldn't be together, you know, face to face. And so um, navigating through that, our leaders, we started meeting on a weekly basis on Zoom, and. I remember being in my house, you know, 10 o'clock on the morning or something or in that evening, just trying to get away from my kids so I can have some quiet, but having a Zoom meeting. And, and basically those meetings were, were full of prayer. You know, we talked a little bit how we're doing, but let's pray. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our people. Let's, let's pray for connections. Let's pray for this to, you know, figure out a way that we can get back together. And so I think that extreme that was that was extreme helpful for me just as a minister knowing my my guys wanted to meet more regularly Mm -hmm. to pray about it so yeah it's it's interesting because you know some people i'm not gonna say a lot let's say some churches kind of like oh we can't meet on sunday morning we can't do church yeah and i get where that's coming from you know what i mean like i understand that and it's frustrating it's hard to figure out like what do you do and then like you said all the navigating on a sunday morning service but there's still great opportunity to oh, do yeah. ministry, and especially in the time because people are hurting, people are in need of still relationships, and um, you found creative ways to still make those connections. Yeah, you know, and it didn't take. It's not like you needed a lot of technology. You're not sitting there at a church of five, ten thousand people where you have like all this audio and visual equipment, and you have millions of dollars in this stuff. Like you had a camera and, and a and an LCD TV on stage, you know, and then. And then you had people calling each other on cell phones, mm-hmm. and that was the thing that made those connections. Yep, and you know? and seeing each staff person too, just kind of they dove into their ministry. You know, they instead of going somewhere or running away, they dove in. Uh, Heather Ferguson, our youth director, mm-hmm. I, I can't speak enough of what I mean. She should write a book in itself on how to lead youth through a pandemic because um, she started running. She's a runner. She runs like 10 miles a day sometimes. I mean, you, you know, Heather, mm-hmm. she does like tough mutters, world tough mutters. So she started going, like she would park her car and then she would figure out all the, not just youth, but just church people around that area. And she would send messages out, especially to the teenagers. Hey, I'm going to run by your house. Like, And they have people coming out of the front porch and she's just almost doing like daily 10 mile runs, yeah. waving to people, saying hi. Uh, she came by our house, man, to see our kids and and it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, it was special, you know. Um, not only that, uh, she was dropping off care packages if someone did have COVID or they, or they did experience this. Like, she was getting bags together for these kids, these teenagers. Uh, maybe their parents never even came to our church, but she's dropping them off at the front porch uh, full of goodies, full of things. You know, just 
Uh, she did Zoom meetings on Wednesday night because we couldn't meet together anymore. The teens couldn't. So here she is. She did high school at like 6.30 to 7.30. And then she did, or middle school, 6.30, 7.30. And then she did high school at like 7.30 to 8.30. So she had two different times. She had like sometimes 40, 50 kids on a Zoom meeting. Mm. She had to tell all them to mute themselves while yeah. she talked. But then the last five or 10 minutes was like, unmute, like raise your hand, say something. Like they were talking, communicating. Like we're figuring things out on the fly. How can we be together still? Um, our children's minister, Lauren, she dove into her ministry of, man, we got to have kids worship. We got to do kids church kind of thing. And so she did a 20 to 30 minute song. She would do them from her home. She was editing things, giving them to Tori. And so kind of like how our church ran on a Sunday morning during this time was kids stuff started at like nine o'clock till 9.30, maybe like 20, 25 minutes. It was Mm -hmm. like a little break in between. And then at 9.30 was the adult worship. We had our adult songs that came on and then me and Mike preaching. And so we had 20, 30 minutes special stuff for the kids. And then we had 45, 50 minutes special stuff for the adults. We had Wednesday night youth groups still going on Zoom meetings. We had, you know, visitation, phone calls rolling, leaders meetings. So we we just kept on trying to move as much as we could. Yeah, so... Going through that period, that's like right at the very beginning. How did you guys then start to shift what you were doing in order to still have some sort of in-person stuff or be able to meet in any way? Once once things kind of leveled off some, and I know the yeah. past two years yeah. have been just up and down crazy, but and I hate to say leveled off because it's not like it ever did. But, you know, during some of that time, it's like the tensions relax somewhat, yeah. especially in the area that you guys were in in Mechanicsville. So what did y'all start to do then to, to try to be creative? Yeah, well, some of the things we did, well, I mean, with social media now and just your, I mean, you can see what your other friends are doing, people doing online, you know, stuff. And, um, you know, some people started meeting at church with a, a radio, um, a transmitter, and just preaching and people listening in their cars. And it was, I saw that as really cool. I was like, man, here's hmm. a cool idea. You know, people show up in their vehicles, um, you know, do a transmitter thing. And so that's what we quickly try to get into. We wanted to do anything we can to just get people together. And we had the property and the land to do so. And so we probably, half the end of March and April, we weren't together. But the first Sunday of May of uh, 2020, um, what we did was say, hey, we're going to have an outside service. We got the FM transmitter. We got up, we had this big hill that actually just got put there because of us doing some uh, a front parking lot and things and some dirt got put back there. So we kind of had like our own like mound that we could like stand on. Uh, we put a trailer out there that we could, you know, set up some equipment. Uh, we already had recorded songs. We play that during the radio as people were showing up. And then me and Mike just preached for 20, 25 minutes. And then we waved at people and told them to go. And we did that for two Sundays. And we're like, man, this is awesome. You know, people were, it was just really cool. Like people, I mean, we probably had... The first Sunday, three to four hundred people show up. Wow! And so it was almost more, a little bit more than half our people. And uh, and then after two Sundays of that, we're like, man, let's we want to do more fellowship. You know, let's have tailgates. So what we'll do is uh, everyone bring your own food, bring your grill if you want to, uh, bring your sandwiches. And after we preach, for those that want to leave, we'll escort everyone out. You know, leave. For those that want to stay and cook food and be outside but separated, let's do that. And so we did that for two Sundays. I mean, those two Sundays, the third and fourth Sunday of May, was the biggest Sundays we had outside. Um, and I, it's hard to count or, or whatever yeah. when you're doing that. But we averaged probably we we probably thought we had over five to six hundred people, almost all of our people, and we had a lot of guests showing up because we we're just doing something. 
Um, but it was fun, you know. Half of those people stayed to eat. But, I mean, there's smoke filling the air, burgers, hot dogs. People were families cooking out together, camping, you know, cornhole. Like, it was just, it was a neat experience to see. Yeah. No, that's pretty awesome. And, um, you know, I think about, like, how other churches, you know, just, like, caught in the whirlwind of stuff. Yeah. You know, but not, and not to not to downgrade what other people did because, you know, each – community is different each church mm-hmm. has their own you know things that they have to navigate through but for your community of of people you realize hey look we can still be creative yeah we can still do some things even though it's not exactly what we want to do mm-hmm. we can still give people something in order to maintain the connections maintain the uh the community that we have here and not just yeah. go throw my hands up and say oh there's a pandemic going on we you know there i guess there's nothing we can do like you found creative ways and so during COVID, you guys are actually still like growing you're yeah. still getting that high energy as people are you know i say coming together but you know like still in a social distancing sort of way you know coming together and all that sort of other stuff well it seems like everybody else is sitting here around here going i'm just trying to figure out how to survive yeah I think yeah. all of us were, you know, just, we're trying to figure out how to survive. <laughs> um, and, and and it was, man, it, I just, I think back on, on just the meetings we had in uh, the staff meetings, because those were more regular too on mm-hmm. Zoom. And it was never just satisfying of, okay, let's just, let's just hit cruise control a little bit. Yeah. It was always, hey, I can do this. Hey, I can do this. Hey, I, hey, what we can do this or let's do this. And so it just turned into a big brainstorming event of what can we do to draw people together. And so for one month, we did those outside services. We added the tailgates, which went great. And then when things kind of relaxed a little bit in our state, in Virginia, we, we said, hey, when we thought we could, you know, we, we went first Sunday of June. So we did the whole month of May was outside. First Sunday of June said, hey, we're coming back in the building. You know, we, we did a lot of things. We, we talked about encouraging mask wearing. Um, you know, we weren't mandating nothing, but we said it'd be nice, you know, just to, to follow on with what we were being told. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent a lot of money just on filters for our HVAC. I mean, you would, we did, a, we did some research on that. Someone brought that idea to us like, Hey man, it filters out germs more, uh, it does this stuff. We, we have a guy in our church that owns a commercial HVAC company. So we asked him about, is this true? Like, is this, he's like, yeah, it actually works really well. And so we switched out everything. Um, we had hand sanitizer. Like, I mean, man, hand yeah. sanitizer was everywhere, man. It yeah. was like I was, that was the thing to have, right? It was like, but we we did we did as much as we could to get people together as soon as we could. Mm-hmm. And so the first of June, we started having services, in person services, no kids stuff. Just come to the, you know, we do two services here. Try to spread out as much. We separated the chairs in the gyms. We, we, luckily, we had the space to be able to push things around. Um, but no kids services. Let's let's just get back together. And I think those first few months, the two months, June and July, that we did it that way, you know, we had about 300 people coming. So about half our people were showing up, and I think half the people were watching still online. Yeah. But it's hard, too, with little kids, young kids. Plus, still, we're living in a time we still didn't know, no, you know. So some of the kids, you know, families with kids were staying back just watching, which was fine. And we wanted them to do that. But yeah. we wanted to create liberties for people to follow their own choices you know follow their own things and if you weren't comfortable i mean by all means stay and and watch online we're going to still call you we're going to still love on you we're going to still pray for you 
But if you want to come together, you know, come together. Um, one interesting thing, when we first started coming together, I, I knew I could just see, and I think you could see too, social on social media, mm-hmm. the sides that were forming on both sides, you know, the ones that really wanted mass and really ones that just didn't care much about it. But I knew as a church, if we're going to succeed and grow and, and, and love one another, that we had to find a common ground. Yeah. And so one of those first Sundays I got out there and said, listen, I know there are some of y'all so happy to be back. You're ready to lick people's foreheads, right? <laughs> you can't do that, so don't do that. Um, Never I know do some that. Some of y'all are like, don't even look at me, much less get close to me. You know, like d- let's just come here and let's just let's just receive the word, but let's just remember, let's love our neighbor as ourselves. You mm-hmm. know, let's just try to put the other person before us. And if wearing this mask means it's going to make someone else feel comfortable, let's do that. Why? Why? Why separate that? You know, and so. Yeah, the whole thing turned into a big echo chamber polarization yeah. of, of our culture. It was frustrating, you know, to see. I mean, even now today, like I know some churches, um, and I'm not going to name them for obvious reasons, but I know some churches where it's basically like if you walk in with a mask, I mean, let's say in 2020 you walked in with a mask, they they would want you to know that they were judging you and thought mm-hmm. you were stupid. You know, and then you had other churches that were like, don't don't come to my church unless you have a mask on and you're, you're trying to kill all of us. And, yeah. and it's yeah. like... Is this really what we think Christ is trying to tell us to do here? Like, you know, obviously people have their own opinions. That's cool. There's different situations. People have to make their own choices. You know, a lot of the information was still brand new. I mean, we were talking about this beforehand. Like, my wife and I were looking at this thing going, maybe we just wait a minute for more information to come in before we start planting our flag somewhere and Mm -hmm. and judging other people and telling them how terrible they are. You know, and so I was watching friends – uh, you know, on both sides of the political spectrum, you know, just start to just entrench, yeah. you know, and, and actually my f- very first podcast I did was, was about that trench warfare, yeah. you know, and I was like calling Christians like, y'all need to just chill, man. You know, like the message here is to love Christ and maybe we need to think about giving up our liberties and rights as Christians. I yeah. mean, you know, in order to, to make sure that we are doing what we can do to show the love of Christ, especially to our brothers, yeah. you know, in other churches. So, you know, you guys came together, but you didn't do it in a way that polarized your people. Yeah. Right. And, and, and what you just said in any situation, especially in church, there's always two ways. It's a fork, right? Mm-hmm. You can go this way, you can go that way. We could have gone down that way of just, you know, judgmental and, setting our flag somewhere or we can say hey let's try our very best to focus on christ and and let's if we have to do small things around that to still focus on christ let's just do that let's not worry about that and so when we came it was always a reminder you know why we're here why we're here is to focus on jesus uh to also create a place and a space for people to come to learn for the first time on, on who he is. And I mean, what better way to learn than from loving people, yeah. people that are loving others, looking out for others, doing for others, serving others. And so that was something that we tried to champion that, Hey, we're going to be a church that's going to love our community. We didn't want to be caring just for the ones inside our walls, but we wanted to still, we you know, we want to still serve the community. Any way we could do outreach, our people, we we're pouring into teachers uh, medical workers, anyone in our church family or people that we knew that was working in the medical field, uh, we bought them lunch one day. Just we want to thank you for what you're doing. You know, you're on the front lines here. You know, and uh, police officers, firefighters, we're bringing them things, doing things, calling them, encouraging them, letting them know, hey, we we love you guys, we we, we appreciate you guys, we value you guys. So it was stuff that 
we didn't want to just focus on us. How can we use this unique, in a sense, opportunity? You know, looking at it that way, the half glass full kind of thing. How can we use this time period of our lives, things that we've never been through, to encourage, to uplift, to edify, to to tell people that you you are valued, you are cared for, and at the whole time keeping Jesus exactly where he belongs, which is the center of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think churches have hopefully learned a lot, you know, uh, through this whole situation. Hopefully we never have to go through another pandemic again. Um, But if we do, you know, I think there's some churches that have adapted in order to think about how do we move forward, right? And uh, interestingly enough, Dave Willis, who you're familiar uh-huh. with, oh, right? I love Dave. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he was on staff at Olivet Christian Church, where Dave is a minister at. But um, and Dave's a good friend of both of us. But when I had Dave Willis on, you know, we were talking about that. Like yeah. in this day and age, if you want to continue growing as a church, and I don't just mean numbers. I mean like stay alive, stay healthy, yeah. like reach your community. You have to have some sort of online presence. Yeah. You know, you can't be the church who just goes, well, that's for the young, hip, hip people. It's like, well, you know, there, there are people who need Jesus, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we've seen, guess what? Older people need online presence, too, yeah. because if they get sick or there's a pandemic and they need to stay home, it'd be nice if they could still do church. Exactly. You know, and be able to watch a message or still come into a Zoom meeting and, and pray with their fellow Christians yeah. uh, being creative, right? Still getting ministry done. So how do you think? that you guys have learned through this whole process to say some of the things that we adapted during COVID, yeah, they'll, they'll go, we'll, you know, we'll put those to rest now, you know, once the whole thing's over and we're back to where there's no social distancing, no mask, and we can come back together. However, there's some things that are going to continue with us yeah. throughout. Yeah, this, I mean, of course, the whole online worship for, for most churches in our country, it accelerated that, right? Oh, it just, yeah. The gas pedal went down, like we, we all had to get there quick. <laughs> And we also learn, wow, this is a great tool. You know, if, if I ever go to a hotel, man, I'm, I want to look at the photos. I want to look at the pictures. I want to look what's happening. You know, people are looking at us, a church, before they even show up. And so having that presence online was is valuable. Um, it's a great tool to reach your community. Um, but it's not the only tool. You know, yeah. it's not the thing. It's not the crutch that we just lean on. And Hopefully, like you said, we don't go back or have to go through something like this again. But if we do, just like human nature, we learn from past things and we can take stuff. I think the church in general, we didn't know what or how or any of the questions on how to answer that, like what to do in those situations. But I think now that we've gotten through it, it's going to be a little bit easier next time. Like this worked, this didn't work. You know, this is good, this isn't good. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm hoping that... Um, I don't know. I've heard some really smart people, smarter than me, you know, got fancier titles than I got, I, that they say, oh, the church will never be the same. The church, and I don't agree with that, you know. I feel like the church, we're, we're, we're the body believers. And no matter what that looks like and what setting that you're in, the church is still the body of Christ. And we're, we're, we are the church to edify, to uplift, to encourage. And to say the church is never going to be like it used to be, I, I don't. I don't agree with that because then I feel like you're focusing on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And the the church is the church, and Jesus established that church, and I love that church. I think you love that. You know, we love that church, and we want to be a part of that. And it and it it drives a deeper point. It's not about just the numbers. It's not about you know the programs or all the stuff. It's 
man, it's people coming together, realizing that, man, I'm a hand, I'm a foot, I'm a, you know, I might be a mouth, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a body, I, I'm a different part of the, the body here, but functioning together, we can do great things in God's kingdom. You know, Satan tried really hard to, to uh, in a negative way, affect us, but I think it backfired, mm-hmm. you know. I think people realize, wait a minute, fellowship is super important. Yeah. <laughs> Coming together is, it's it's what we, it's needed, not wanted, but needed. And so what I think, what Satan meant for harm, you know, Christ used for good, and now we're kind of coming out of this. Like, literally, like, these these days are really good, man. I think some of these, these past Sundays have been really good for a lot of my friends, for us. Um, people are coming back. People are feeling more comfortable. But I, I think we're getting out of this stronger because of what we went through. And like I said, what Satan meant for harm, Jesus is using for good. So so you guys have been using uh, Zoom as, as some of the ways that you're being creative and what you're trying to do. And I know it, at the church I'm at, when we were going through this whole pandemic, because I got hired there right in the middle of it in 2020. Yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm over all of our small groups. Mm-hmm. We had a professional Zoom account for all the leaders. So that way we could still have small groups that mm-hmm. ran in the fall and the spring and people met via Zoom. Um, and of course, we found that once things opened back up and people were able to come back to church and even um, the second semester that I was there, some of the groups began to meet in person again, that people realized, yeah, the stuff online is, is good and I'm glad we have it, but it's not the same. Yeah. You know, and, and I think this is what goes kind of to your point is that people are always going to be the same. You know, we are human beings. We created a certain way and God has us as relational beings and you can only have so much of a relationship through a screen. You know, I mean, try to imagine, imagine having a long distance dating relationship and all you ever do is meet on screen. Once you meet in person, then it's like, there's something different here. And, and I think that's what churches have learned. At least I hope, and I'm I'm fearful that some are going to take this too far where they think, okay, cool. Maybe we can create a satellite campus church. that's only online. Mm -hmm you know, and only meets virtually and nobody comes in person. And I just think those things eventually are going to taper out and fail yeah. because people are relational beings. Um, but did you guys, or are you still going to use that going forward, using Zoom to do things like small groups or, you know, staff meetings or leadership meetings or anything like that? No, we actually got out of that a while ago. Yeah. So we used it while we needed it. And, um, we had some small groups doing the Zoom and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that's it's been well over a year, I think, since we've done any kind of we've been we've been together for a while now. So, so none of so none of your small groups want to still at least have an option of doing. We only have a few small groups. Okay, um, but what we did because of this and what we're still doing is we're having just like we used to have. You know, churches would have Wednesday night church. Yeah, we're doing that for adults, and you know we're we're blessed to have um, a big you know a church building in the front of our property that Liberty used to meet at, we call it Compass Chapel, but we, we meet in there on Wednesday nights with our adults. They're still can spread out. That allows our activity center, our, our main space, to go to the teenagers um, so they can spread out and be there and do their games and have their fun. And so um, we, in our fall, we, we call it big, small group because <laughs> it's small group. Like, it's, it's you know, we're, we're do, going through the Chosen series and stuff, and we have discussion questions. And it's kind of hard to do that in a big setting, but it's a big, small group because we're kind of – we, we like being together, and yeah. so we have a couple small groups that still meet. We have a young adult group that meets. Um, we have a, a, a group in King William that meets on Monday nights. Um, so we, we have some. We have some lady ministry, ladies groups that meet Wednesday morning, Thursday night, 
So they're kind of spread out a little bit, but not a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have zero stuff going through Zoom right now, only because our people have responded better, you know, coming together kind of thing. So. That's so interesting because where I'm at, um, this was the first semester when most of the group said, okay, yeah, we're kind of done with this whole virtual thing. We're going to meet back in person. Yeah. But some of them are doing what's called a hybrid. So they'll meet in person, but they'll have a computer up with a Zoom link. Some people, yeah. Yeah. So like I have, that, yeah. I have that for my group because there's some people who live like 40 minutes away from me, but they want to come to my group. Yeah. You know, and it's like, man, that's a hard job to make on a weeknight. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's, I think there's only one group that meets all virtual. Um, and those, it's, it's interesting because they have a dynamic where, again, you know, you have a lot of people in that group who they don't live near each other. Yeah but they have that tight relationship. And mm-hmm. so they see each other on Sunday mornings just fine. Yeah. But during the week, they still meet via Zoom. So again, I think the lesson here is each church community has to figure out how to navigate this exactly. whole thing yeah. their way. Yeah. You know, and technology is good Yeah, and it can be useful. However, well, what, being what in works person, for you might not work for me. Yeah. And, and like we've already discussed a little bit is, um, you know, you can see pockets around, the country and in our state that are different than others, you know? Um, and so uh, I live in a community in an area that wanted to be together and I live in a community that they, they would rather have the liberty and the choice to, you know, come together and, you know, and, and not worry about maybe some of the results of getting sick or doing some of that. Um, and so we, we try to balance really, you know, a whole lot on, on, on looking at both sides. Um, but, I think God has provided uh, a lot of spiritual growth and physical growth because uh, we, we opened and, and we, we started having kid classes and we have youth programs and we, we're, we're, we're back on to doing basically everything we were doing before the pandemic. So Yeah, that's awesome. And so you guys have over more than tripled yeah. your attendance from when the two churches first merged. You're at 900-something, uh, you know, like you said, this past Sunday. So you're running three services? Yeah, we run three services. Um, they're all the exact same. We're, we're trying to figure out ways now to get people to come to the 8 o'clock service, an <laughs> early one. Uh, it's, there's nothing different about it except it's early, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're enticing them. Actually, just this week, we we're talking about it the other day in staff meeting yesterday, that we're going to be bringing donuts. And you know, donuts, that's enticing, right? So hopefully donuts and some donut holes uh, will bring people, a little bit more people, we don't have kid classes in that service, so it is kind of difficult to grow a service when you don't offer kid classes, and that might be down the future. We might have to do that, um, but we're, we're trying to make some space because we're running out of space in, in the other two services, And uh, but it's, it's been, you know, we get this a lot from people. Like, when they come, they're just glad we're doing stuff, you know, and, 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 they're, and there's excitement there, and, and we're just trying to, like, I, I can't say it enough. We're just trying to keep things focused on Christ. And, and some people have asked questions, well, how are y'all growing in this? Or how are you doing in this? And I was like, man, it's just, you know, be true to who you are. You know, mm-hmm. stay focused on him. Um, some other things I think that work really well for us and, and Mike and I together is we don't, we don't cater. Uh, let me see. I say this in a good way. But we don't cater to people um, by hiding truth or trying to speak to the culture language, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so what that means is when people come, you know, we let them know, hey, we're going to preach God's principles, God's word, and we're going and, and it might step on your toes. And, and if it does, that's, you have to be okay with that because God's message is way more important than your toes, you know? Yeah. So, we, so there, there are things that, you know, we, we take some strong stances at Compass um, when it comes to how, 
just just relationship living together, you know, outside the bounds of marriage, we, we stand on, you know, that's that's wrong. You know, we, we, we're very pro-marriage at our church. And, and when we say that, it's a man and a woman as well. And so we have to touch on some of the homosexuality issues and some of the things that some churches don't like going, but we do. Um, you know, we're, we're very pro, you know, we're... We're, we're, we're against abortion and it's stuff that we talk about. You know, we preach about these things. And I, I got buddies and friends of mine. They're like, man, I don't know. Like, we're not trying to scare people. I, I, we let people know, hey, when yeah. you come here, we're going to stand on principles. We're going to stand on God's word. We're going we're gonna to preach his message. And we don't have to apologize for that. But with that being said, we can still do it out of love. You know, we can still let them know, hey, we love you. We care for you. We value you. But this is truth. And when you follow Jesus Christ, um, he never apologized for, for the kingdom or the will of his father. And he spoke things still out of truth, though, but he never said, I'm not going to speak this because ah, I don't want to hurt the crowd. You mm-hmm. know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't, how are the Pharisees going to feel about this, right? Yeah. He never said that. He just basically what he said over and over again, especially in the book of John, the truth shall set you free. And he would say, truly, truly, I say to you. And so uh, he spoke out of love, but he spoke truth. Um, we feel like one of the best compliments we get, Mike and I as preachers, is that we're not scared or afraid to speak on things that our culture is anti-against. And um, and so as long as we have Scripture to back it up, and as long as we do it you know, in love, trying to show people that God has a different way than the culture or the world— I think people they not just respect that they they are hungry for that yeah. like they want that. I I I you know me man you are <laughs> preaching to the choir right now and I could get well, on a whole soapbox about yeah. this but I mean I do want to say like I think it's important because actually I was talking to somebody the other day and and you know they were they're not a minister they're just a Christian in the mm-hmm. church and they said you know I just feel like if you have people's attention for 30 minutes you should be preaching from God's word exactly and I was like amen to that exactly. brother you know and I mean it's like people are coming to church even if they're not Christians they're coming for some reason and they don't want to hear a TED talk mm-hmm. they can go to YouTube for a TED talk yep. you know they can they can whatever listen to uh, some other podcast but they're coming to church they want to hear God's word and I just have this crazy thought that God's word is the thing that can produce faith in people. Yeah. You know, Romans ten seventeen maybe. Yeah. And that if we preach the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do his work, yeah. when the word goes out, he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's almost like you honoring God and staying faithful is what allows him to then work what he does through you guys. And yeah. it's so important. And I get so... I don't know, worked up sometimes when I see other guys in ministry and I get it. There's a balance of tact. There's a balance of love and there, it comes from a good place. You don't want to scare the new people off. You don't want to just run people out the first time they Mm -hmm. come to church. I get that. But your job is to let God speak through you. And he's not going to do that through a Ted talk. He's going to do that through the word of God. Exactly. You know, the spirit work, you know, tell, tell, tell that story. Um, you told me about when you preached on abortion recently. So, yeah, um, uh, so the abortion thing kind of was we were preaching a message about truce, uh, preaching a message about society and, and how the church, especially in the culture that we're living in, um, is it's, you know, we have to stand on certain principles. Mm-hmm. And so the abortion thing wasn't, it wasn't a sermon about abortion. 
it actually, and I, and I, I don't know, I try not to get too crazy about, oh, the Spirit moves, you know, but yeah. I mean, but the Spirit does move. And I felt led while I was preaching to mention just, hey, abortion is something that is wrong. Um, it, it goes against because, you know, the, the word, because one, the, the, the Bible teaches that life begins in the womb. Uh, that's a very important issue. And so it was kind of more spirit-led in a sense, and it, and it kind of came up. But what I didn't expect was what happened right after that service, which was a young lady in our church came forward during the closing song just in tears, you know, just, I mean, just uh, emotional wreck. Um, here I am thinking this young lady because I ended my sermon with that, she most likely had an abortion. And I try to do it very tactfully. Like, I, I get, you know, we all make past mistakes, things that God can forgive us on, but we have to be a church that stands on these things and, and, and preaches these things. But she goes on to tell me that, um, you know, I had a son three years ago that my mom and that my dad really wanted me to, to abort, but I just could not do it. And now my son's over there in your kids' worship, you know, mm. And, wow. and I love them. And, and she goes, and what you said today is just, it freed me. It freed me from, did I do the right thing? You know, like it just allowed me to know that I, I can, you know, that what I did was right with God. And so that kind of story, that kind of impact has told me and just showed me even more to not be silent on these things because, uh, you know, I, I think our culture uh, deeply needs um, the church to take strong stances on certain things. And that's one of them for me. Um, and, and how cool is it if it's just like we always say, man, if it just changes one person, if it just brings one person to Jesus, right? Well, me saying that, and it wasn't a sermon about that, but it just kind of came out, allowed this girl to experience some ultimate freedom. I mean, how cool is that, right? That God well, can move in that way. And that's why I wanted you to, to talk about that, because one of the things that I believe should be considered by people who maybe take a different view than I do, you know, and maybe they're more sensitive to their visitors and guests, and again, we should be, is that... Yeah, but don't forget about that. Yeah. Don't forget about the fact that if you do come out and you preach the truth in love, yeah. on something that is controversial that might make somebody else mad, it could free somebody. Oh, yeah. Someone else needs to hear that. You know, from yeah. the bondage that they have and the emotional turmoil that she's had in her life for a few years, and now she's going, God agrees with what I did. Well, who knows, you know? too, who's in the audience that's struggling with it, that might be making that decision, that yeah. might have to make it six months down the road. But they hear that, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, God values life? Wait, life starts in the womb? I mean, these are all things that they don't get in education We or take college. for granted. We take for granted, yeah. Because we've studied the we Bible. We know that. We're in don't. ministry. Yeah. But they may have never yeah. heard something like this before. So who knows? Three years down the road, a young lady that was in that service might not go through with that, because she heard it, you mm -hmm. know, and she heard that, wow, life does begin in the womb. God values life, you know, God knits us in the womb. So all those things are very important. Um, just a little, you know, just a side point of what we should be doing as a church is standing on these principles, not apologizing for, you know, speaking up on these truths. And I think we're quickly getting to a place where we need to figure out as leaders, how are we going to lead, you know, because there's... It's really easy to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. It's really easy not to speak on it. Um, it's difficult to, to, to build a foundation and, and to stand strong on some things. Um, 
Yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, yeah. look, no doubt you're going to have some people who are going to go. I'm not going back to that church because of that. But you know what? That's not on you. Yeah. Because right. if you did it in love and yeah. you did it tactfully with prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and they leave because they don't want God's word, like you said, what happened in Jesus's ministry? Yeah. When he preached hard truths and people were like, "Yeah, I'm done with this guy." Yeah. He didn't chase after him. He didn't yeah. apologize. He didn't change his methods. He yeah. said, "Okay." I mean, that that was a sifting. Yeah. You don't want to follow God. Yeah. Okay. You know, and it's just one of those things that I think again. When you're a leader, I mean, God tells us this, right? Teachers are going to be judged more harshly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to be held accountable for what we teach and what we don't teach, yep. what we're scared to talk about. Yeah. And and I get there's different venues to talk about different things. Like, I understand all that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have people's attention for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. And, and I think sometimes guys will say, well, I'll talk about that in some other venue. Yeah. But do they? Yeah. You know, and and then two, okay, cool. You'll talk about another venue to Joe Smo over there who you know is going to come up and hit you up after service about it. But you don't know all those other people in the crowd, like you said, and yeah. what they're going through and the struggles that they're having or things that you could impact them. And I think that's where we have to trust God and go, my job is to preach the truth in love. Yeah. I'm going to put the word of God out there. Then I'm going to let the spirit use the word to do what he does in people's lives. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's just one on one kind of stuff, you know, like allowing the spirit to move, allowing the spirit to lean, uh, but trusting God enough to know that His word is best. Yeah, you and know? you don't and you don't have to like caveat it with a yeah. thousand things. You know, if you ever if you ever uh, obviously we're not going to name names again, but you ever seen guys who when they finally do go to approach a topic, but they'll caveat it with so yeah. many different things yeah. that you're basically like, dude, just don't even talk about it. Yeah. Like if you have to caveat <laughs> with that many things, like are you yeah. apologizing to God, you yeah. know for God? Mm-hmm. Here's sort of a deal. So we just want to encourage people who are, you know, maybe you're not in full-time ministry. You're a Sunday school teacher. You're in the church. You lead a small group. Maybe you just like to talk to your friends about Jesus. That's fine, too. Or you're in ministry. You, yeah, you yeah. sit in a pulpit every Sunday. Man, preach the truth in love, but preach it. You know, let God work through his word. And yeah. don't be scared. I mean, again, you read the New Testament, you're going to see they got mad at Christians a lot. Oh, yeah. And that's we're we're quickly we are quickly moving to that sort of culture where, like you said, we're going to have to figure out. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. To be just you know in this cancel culture where they hate us because we believe in traditional marriage and we believe that man and woman are made in God's image and we don't believe you should abort babies and all these other things. I think that's a sifting that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, in the church that God's God's going to move through, but I guess we will see. Time will tell. Well, and. and- I just like to just say this: like great things, great things will take place if you just stay in God's will and and allow Him to to be who He is, which is God, yeah. <laughs> not us. Him um, focusing on Him, and, and I think you said it best too. When when you prayerfully and rightfully, you know, go over these things and, and study on these things and do these things, it's. Um, you know, it's going to come out. You know, if you do it the right way, it's yeah. going to come out in love. And and we're not we're not out there to to prove that we're right. We're not out there to to push people down or to to hurt them or to you know. We're not trying to ex, you know extend the fist. We're trying to extend a helping hand. We're trying to help you. We're trying to we're trying to teach truth here, and we're going to be focused on Jesus. This is the kind of church we are, and uh, and so as imperfect as we can be as people, uh, we do follow a perfect you know, God in Christ. And and when we try to center that around that, man, God can do amazing things. So where do you see Compass going from here? Because you guys are actually working yeah. on some building projects right now. 
Yeah, we're uh, we've already we we did a big thing on parking stuff. We just finished all that up because um, I mean we're we we've been parking on grass, parking on wherever we could fit cars in our property, and uh, and and man, in between services has been hectic. It's been um, even dangerous on our road beforehand. People coming in, coming out, all that stuff. So we got that kind of done. But on in the beginning of June, we're breaking ground. Uh, we're connecting three of the old school buildings on our property. We're connecting them together, and we're also bringing it towards the gymnasium, the activity center where we meet. And so, um, I mean, you talk about hurdles of COVID. <laughs> you talk the construction world and building. Um, every bit of earthly wisdom says this is not the what time or the place to do it. Um, but we're running out of places to put people, our kids. Uh, we have separated kids enough, like in classrooms and classrooms and classrooms and grades. And there, I mean, there is just no more space, which is a great problem to have. Uh, but so we're, we're about to go into this building fund. Um, we're in a move initiative right now. We're calling it move because we're making an aggressive move to our community. We're not packing our bags or, you know, moving our building again. We're not doing that, but we're just trying to make a move and allow God to move with what we got going on. And so we're, we're challenging our people to give and we're building in a time where, man, it's probably not the best time to build, but we have to do it. So, yeah. You got to trust God and just move yeah, forward. Just trust God and move. And we've done it prayerfully. Uh, we've put in the time, the work. Uh, the sweat, you know, we've we've called people. We got professional people working with us when it comes to raising money, raising funds. Also, uh, professional people in buildings and stuff like that, how to do things properly. So all all that we've done our homework. So yeah, and so there's um as we kind of wrap this up, there's a lot of churches out there who haven't had this experience during COVID. You know, it's mm-hmm. been demoralizing. It's been hard. It's been rough. You know, like guys have left ministry. Yeah, yeah. You know, sort of things. What's some words of encouragement that you would give to those other churches? Yeah, I, I think one thing is just is I hope this doesn't come across as just oh that's just so you know if you found that up, but it's just yeah. trusting in God, you know. Yeah. Um, one thing I've learned in ministry because ministry has not always been good for me. Uh, like most guys in ministry, there's been plenty of times where I've wanted to quit, and I've actually quit before in youth ministry. When I I guess seventy man, I got to a point where I was like, I'm done. You know, I'm done with ministry. Uh, luckily, I never left the church and left Jesus, but yeah. I was like, I was just done with serving in a in a in a place where people were so, in a, in a sense, mean at times, and um, and I was hurting myself. You know, like I so there's there's lots in that. We won't go on down that road, but. In ministry, it's difficult, and it's just trusting God in the small things, um, realizing that He's put you in this place for a reason. Uh, you know, you're in His will right now. If you're serving Him and loving Him and loving others, I feel like sometimes we have this false sense of ministry of like if we're not doing what others are doing or growing the way others are growing, that we're not doing things right. I don't think that's right at all. You know, um, Jesus did amazing things. In small groups, <laughs> he picked twelve guys. Uh, he was he was born poor of a virgin Mary. Like we, he didn't come in as always the king in the palace. Like so, I think just trusting God in the small things, um, navigating through that. Uh, another bit of advice I would love to give is just man, find some find some other people in ministry that you can really trust that that you know has your back that you can just vent to because you I mean you need those times of vent just to, to pour it all out. Um, but when you, if God knows he can, you know, you're faithful in the small things, I think, I think he'll grant you some of the big things and, and he can grow that. So, and hang in there, yeah. you know, because oh, yeah. I'm a firm believer that, um, sometimes God puts people in places not to grow it. Yeah. You know, like 
there's an element of God's going to be just at the end. Mm-hmm. And he might need you to go to a spot where they're not going to listen to you, but you're going to preach the word. And at the end of the day, he's going to be able to say, I gave you an opportunity. And as the minister, that's not encouraging Mm -hmm. as you're going through it. But I think when we get, and when it's all said and done and we're, you know, we stand before the throne room of God and he reveals that to you and goes, Hey, I had you there because I knew that you could wade through those tough times. You weren't going to grow the large church but that still glorified me. I think that's going to really hit us and go, okay, good. I was still doing it. So try to take that as some encouragement. Like, look, if your church isn't growing through COVID, if you're not doing all these spectacular things and building buildings, like it doesn't mean you're not doing ministry. Exactly. You know, and you like, you can still be creative. Yeah. You could be creative, yeah. you know, with some other things. So EL, Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast, sir. Compass Christian Church, Mechanicsville, Virginia. Oh yeah. Look them up. You guys got service times, 8 o'clock and... We got 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. Yep, and uh, we're located right across from Kroger on Route 360. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're just loving God, loving people, you know. And, and doing some awesome things. Thank you, man. So, thanks for coming, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs>